the foundations that God has given us, strengthening the foundations of our family, strengthening the foundation of our, our finances, strengthening the foundation of our service here in, in, this, uh, in this place. And so I'm excited about the future of uh, this subject kind of carrying over into the new year. But let's finish strong. Let's, you know, I want you to know before I begin this message that without question, the last time I preached on this subject, it was six years ago. And without question, this is no doubt the most convicting subject of any subject as a Christian that I could present to you in the entire Bible. Nothing comes even close. Nothing comes even close. There's nothing that I prepare as far as just a theme in the, in the, in the scriptures that would come even, when I say close, I mean the next subject would be a far distance from this one when it comes to just taking a deep breath and saying, God, I need your help. I need your help. So please listen. Let me start with this. If you could have a one-on-one conversation with anybody in the world, who would you choose? Now, I'm sure some would choose an athlete because, you know, we have sports people that love certain teams and you've got a, a player, you know, that, man, I would love to sit down and talk with that coach or that player and for an hour. Man, I can't imagine what that would be like. Somebody may have a, a, a pastor, a politician. Others may say, you know, no, it's a, man, I've got this movie star or this musician that, man, I would love to sit down and for an hour just speak with them one-on-one, just me and them, nobody else in the room. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus? Just you and him. A conversation maybe like Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. A conversation, what a conversation, one-on-one, Nicodemus and Jesus. We use it today often when we preach and give the gospel. We talk about that time when Jesus and Nicodemus sat down in the late evening and had a conversation about his soul. We often think about the conversation, the intimate conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well there in John chapter 4. What a conversation, an intimate conversation of love and care and compassion that led to that young lady's a change in her life. And what a, what a phenomenal thing to think of sitting down with Jesus like Nicodemus or the woman at the well and having a one-on-one conversation. Now, remember with me that we're talking about foundations. In fact, in uh, Psalm chapter 11, verse 3, I want to remind you of the verse that says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We're trying to answer that question. What do we do in times like these? What do you and I do when we think about the day that we're living in, the day that we're facing? What do we do? Well, I've got a suggestion for you, for us to raise the subject of foundation to a whole nother level, we must go to a passage of Scripture that addresses the one and only foundation to build your life on if you have any hope of heaven. And that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And I want you to look at it with me. It's our text verse this morning. It's where we'll spend the majority of our time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 10, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, Paul says, As a wise master builder, I, Paul says, I have laid the foundation. Another man buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
How many of you would say, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, preacher, I am sure, 100% sure, no question about it, that I have laid the foundation of Jesus Christ in my life. I know that I'm saved. Would you lift your hand if you know that all over the building? Unashamedly, I mean, you want Jesus to know, you want the world to know. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. But whenever we talk about salvation, it ought to be, I just, I mean, (laughs) there's nothing more important than salvation. If you would say to me, my foundation is not Buddha, my foundation is not Muhammad, my foundation is not good works, my foundation is not a better life, my foundation is not some sort of good church attendance, my foundation is Jesus. Jesus, that's it. Other foundation can no man lay. If you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to lay that foundation. The foundation of Jesus. But then he goes on to say something in addition to that. Because if all there was in life with the rest of our lives was was salvation, then there's not much to it. We've already done that. I mean, I know that I'm saved. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And so, even so, come Lord Jesus. I mean, if it's just get saved and then just wait 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years, maybe die, get buried. I mean, life is over. And you just sort of, I mean, what is there to life after conversion? Is there anything to this life? Is there anything else to this to build upon this foundation? Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work, wow, work. I don't like that word, do we? Oh, it's okay when you get money for it, that you can spend on yourself and pay your bills. And Man, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But this is a different type of work. This is a work that Jesus says we are going to stand before God and give an account for. If any man's work shall be made manifest, for the day is going to declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, if it lasts, if it makes any difference, if it means anything in eternity, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, this man is saved, the foundation set, he's building a life, he's, he's working to build something. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. I want you to remember that word, circle that word, underline that word. If any man's work is burned, the Bible says he shall suffer loss. But, but, he himself, uh, he'll be saved from the fire. Yeah, I mean, he'll go to heaven. I mean, he got the foundation right. Foundation was Jesus. I mean, he wasted his life. (laughs) He wasted his opportunity. He spent his life thinking about himself. But yeah, I mean, he gets to go to heaven because he had the foundation set. That's basically what it's teaching here. Wow. What a subject. Now, this passage is about the judgment seat of Christ. When we think about the judgment seat of Christ, what a time for us to consider as we are living in the last days, living in the end times, facing a missions emphasis week next week, an emphasis where we think about the gospel going around the world, thinking about, you know, okay, Starbucks or mission field, Uh, an extra car this year, or maybe helping 
somebody gets saved over in the Caribbean islands or in the Philippines. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Laying up treasures here, laying up treasures there. Having more here, having more there. Really, that's what we're talking about. It's stewardship of your life. I've got the foundation right, but what about the rest of my life? So important. And so for us to get to the place where we understand the judgment seat, we've got to get some facts straight. This is the boring part. The specifics. The details. So write this down. Number one, the meaning of the judgment seat is a place where rewards are handed out. You see, the judgment seat of Christ, the Greek word is the word bima. The bima seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. This is a place where the judge sits. He sits on this seat called the bima seat. There is no punishment. This is not a seat of punishment. There is another judgment for punishment. It's called the great white throne judgment. Anybody who does not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, anybody who does not come to the cross and bow and, and submit and say, God, I'm a sinner. You're, you died for my sins. I accept what you did for me on the cross to save me. You are the one and only true and living God, and I accept you as my only way to heaven. Folks who have not done that go to another place. They are, he comes to judge the living and the dead. Those that are dead in their trespasses and sins go to the great white throne judgment. Those of us who are Christians and get the foundation right with Jesus Christ, we do have a judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Not punishment. It's a place of reward. You know, the Olympics, whether you get the bronze medal, the silver, or the gold, not punishment even those that didn't win there's a reward number two the time of the judgment seat of christ is after the rapture and here's how we know that luke chapter 14 verse 14 says this and thou shalt be blessed for they cannot recompense thee for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just when does the resurrection of the just take place the bible speaks of a rapture Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is going to return for us. So at the rapture, after the rapture, there is a resurrection. So Jesus returns. There's a rapture, a resurrection. We meet the Lord in the air, right? And then there is the return, the rapture, the resurrection, and the reward. How do you like that? All ours. Pretty good, huh? The reward. This is when... The judgment seat of Christ takes place. Number three, who's the judge? I mean, you know, when you go to a a boxing match, you've got three judges and they all have an opinion. Well, I think this guy won. I think this guy won. I'm shocked. How do you think he won? He definitely won. You're crazy. Everybody's got an opinion, right? You go to the Olympics and they, they, they do gymnastics and there's judges, plural. There's judges that judge the performance. How did they do? The judge will be Christ. John chapter 5 and verse 22 says this. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Jesus will sit on the bema seat at the judgment seat. It's not a panel of judges. Nobody else's opinion matters. Peter doesn't matter, James doesn't matter, John doesn't matter, and guess what? 
Your opinion doesn't matter. The only one that matters is Christ. He's the judge. And then who are the subjects? The subjects will be the believers. Those of us who have accepted Christ as their Savior. Let's go back to the foundation, right? Strengthen the foundation. If your other foundation can no man lay, then that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Those of you who have the foundation of Jesus Christ will be the subjects at the judgment seat. They'll be believers, only believers at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at Romans 14 verse 10 says, We shall all stand before the what? It's hard to say it, isn't it? It's almost as if you don't believe it. We shall all stand before the... Anybody want to say it? What's the, what's the verse say? I'm sorry. Just listen. Could you help me out? We shall all stand before the, no, the judgment seat. Isn't that what it says on the screen? Oh, sorry. <laughs> just take it off, guys. Can you, can you just make it blank? No, you guys are looking at me. Nobody, you guys are, I look like a fool up here. First of all, I'm surprised nobody knows the verse. That's a problem. But just, just make it blank if you don't mind. If you can just black it out. I'll just give you the. I'll give you the, the blanks. And I apologize for the screens. To be honest, this is a good time to say this maybe. We, we are so tight on finances, we can't spend a dime on anything right now except for just basic expenses. So we don't fix anything. We just band-aid things. And so therefore, we might want to consider at the judgment seat, are we just bandaging up our houses and our cars? Or do we care to bandage up the church? Because sometimes I think we forget the church in the midst of Making our lives better. It's a thought. That's all it is. It's just a thought. Something to think about. So as we think about the judgment seat, we must all stand before the judgment seat. There's a one-on-one conversation. Then the basis, in your notes, the basis of the judgment seat will be an examination of your life after your conversion. So fill in the blank. Examination and conversion. I'll help you out. So this is not about salvation. It's not about salvation. Please, please don't misunderstand the purpose of this message. We are not talking about getting saved. You're already saved. I know that. If you've trusted Christ, you are born again. Believers are delivered from all condemnation. If I could put this verse on the screen, I would, but I'm going to read it to you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Can I get an amen right there? I mean, hallelujah. There is no condemnation. Hallelujah. What about John chapter 5, verse 24? Some better news. Listen to this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that hath sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. How good is that? So listen, you could say this morning, I'm clear. Go ahead and finish your sermon out, Brother Eric, but I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I don't do a whole lot for God, and I don't give a whole lot. And, you know, hey, I come to church every now and then, and I, I got, I've got a lot on my plate. But I know this, I'm saved. Well, you're right, no condemnation. You can hold that in Jesus' face when you get to the judgment seat and just say, hey, I didn't do much for you, but at least I did get saved. And the Scripture teaches that, and I'll show you that in just a minute. You see, through faith in Jesus, you will never be condemned. So what is the judgment seat? I stand before Jesus, not for my sins. Maybe it'll be like this. 
one-on-one conversation. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Fine. You're holy, God. Hey, just got a couple questions. What did you do with me with your life after you got saved? What'd you do? How did you serve me? What motives did you serve me with? Hey, all that money I blessed you with. Where did you get it to? Who did you spend it on? Were you more concerned about retirement and laying up treasures on earth? And I think we should be concerned about that. But were you overly concerned about your safety and your convenience? Or were you concerned about the big picture of serving me? Go ahead, Eric. You can speak now. Maybe it's going to be like that. A conversation about what I did for Jesus Christ with the life that he gave me. So, three things about building your life. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you're there in your Bibles, and it would be good, obviously, to be there today since we do not have the advantage of the screen. If you notice in 1 Corinthians 3, 10, it says that there's this foundation that we build upon. It literally uses the word build. And then in verse 11, it says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build, build. So we're talking about construction. I'm building a life. Only one life, only one life so soon to pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. So as I build this life, the Bible says I've got, I've got two different ways to build it. Sometimes we read this passage of Scripture. Now, if any man build thereupon gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, and we think, well, let me see, I'm probably, I don't think I'm, I'm not gold, but I'm probably somewhere down around, you know, precious stone. It's not a descending order. This is not like six different things you can use. It's two, two ways to build your life. You're either building your life with good materials or bad materials, combustible materials or non-combustible materials. You're either building your life with things that matter or things that don't matter, things of value, eternal value, or things of temporal value. Can you imagine what it would, what it would be like to, to build your life with something that would last forever? Obviously, the, the, the fire that the Bible speaks of is in the eyes of Jesus would consume anything that was wood, hay, or stubble. And so, I, I have a job to do here. It's called serve the Lord with my life, and I'm building my life, and I'm investing my life in, in what? How am I building my life? What materials am I using? An illustration would be a young contractor who was a very successful contractor, a millionaire, a multi-millionaire. And he was thinking about a man, an older man, who had invested in his life and brought him much of the reason why he was at the place he was at was because of what this older contractor had done. He heard he was getting older and didn't really plan much for retirement, so he needed a little bit of money. So he said, hey, I tell you what, I've got a house I want you to build. Boy, the man got excited. He said, thank you. He said, listen, you did so much for me. I want to do something for you. Here's a budget. You build your house. He started building that house, and he looked at the budget for the roof, and he said, you know what? I'll get a cheaper roof and put the rest of the money in my pocket and go have me a nice party. He put the walls up, but he didn't get the best drywall. He didn't get the drywall that the, that the, that the, you know, the, the architect said to get or the design was for. He didn't get the best carpet. He, he didn't get the best foundation. He used cheaper materials because, hey, I, I get more for me. 
He finished the house. He goes to the young millionaire, the successful man. He says, listen, I'm done. Here's your house. The young man looked at him and said, well, I've got a surprise for you. I didn't know how to tell you this, but here's the keys to your house. He hands the man the keys and he begins to cry. The man puts his head down and says, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. You see, I... I, I didn't do you right. I took what you gave me and I put cheap stuff in it and I, and I, and I, and I kind of stole from you. I took what you gave me and I used it for other things and, 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 and so this house is not going to last. It's not going to be warranted. It's not, it's not a good house. And he said, oh, you're forgiven but you have to live in the house you built. You see, we can make excuses for the way we live our lives but at the end of it all of the judgment seat, We don't get a do-over. Only one life. What are we building our lives with? There will be a fire that will test our work. That's what Scripture teaches. The fire at the judgment seat will test our works and determine if they're good or bad. So we're speaking here not about salvation, but we are speaking about works. A subject that sometimes it seems as if people are kind of afraid of. Listen, works are not the source. This is in your notes. Works are not the source of life in Christ. They are the sign of life in Christ. True Christians are working for Him. True Christians. If you are saved, it will be evidenced by the fact that you're working for Him. Isn't that what Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and here's the verse we always forget, church, 10. We like 2, 8, 9. 2, 8, 9 makes us feel really good. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So there you have it. But what about the next verse? Verse 10. Next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works. Gold, silver, good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Just as God knew you would accept him as your Savior, just as you laid the foundation of Jesus Christ, God has ordained you to work for him, to serve him. There's a job for you to do. There's a a harvest for you to, to yield work. So maybe this is the time to answer some good questions. I've got five good questions to ask yourself. Five good questions to ask myself. Question number one, what service are you giving? What service are you giving? Are you serving at all? I'm not just talking about in the church, but yes, I am talking about in the church. Are you serving? Is church just a place you come for social activity? Is the offering just a place that you give a tip to? Or are you serving? Are you giving? What about this? Have you quit serving? It's a good question. It's in your notes. Have you quit serving? Do you serve on and off? Are you one who might say, Preacher, listen, I've been hurt. Someone might say, listen, I've been in this church for 24 years. In just a few months, it'll be 25 years. And I can assure you, I've heard this more than once, and I'm guilty. Preacher, you know, I've just been hurt here. You've hurt me. I've just been hurt. You know, I kind of feel like, preacher, I do this and I do that. never get any recognition. Nobody ever really says anything. I've been serving in the nursery for five years. I was was in the Capaches the other day, and somebody was saying they got a note from you. I've never got a note from you, preacher. You've never 
recognize me. You never thank me for anything I do. Sometimes I get convicted about that too because I'll listen like to the worship team and I'll get convicted that I, I need to thank them. I mean, they're all volunteers. You know, I need, I need, to, I need to write them a note. Not, I've already written today on a piece of paper some thank you notes I need to write because I'm, I'm not a good pastor. I'm, I'll confess if you're waiting on me to be the one who recognizes you, you're going to be waiting a while because I'm not, I'm not as good as I want to be. I try, but I promise you, you will get mad at me after 25 years, a handful of times at least, because I just blow it. So maybe you're hurt, and you've just quit serving God because nobody notices. Let me tell you a story about a missionary, true story in Africa, 45 years. That's a long time to be in Africa. But he finally came back to America on a boat, and on that boat was another man. His name was Theodore Roosevelt, the president of the United States of America, who I don't know much about Theodore Roosevelt, but I did know by just a simple study and looking at pictures, this dude liked Africa. He went on a lot of African safaris. If you know anything about uh, presidential history, he went on several African safaris, and so he was coming back on the very same boat that a missionary who had been serving Jesus there for 45 years was coming back on. They arrived at the harbor together on that boat. The missionary didn't even know Theodore Roosevelt was on the boat. They pull up to the harbor, and there are thousands of people there, thousands. The missionary stands up and looks and thinks, this is incredible. I've been gone for 45 years serving God in Africa. Look at all the people that are here to greet me because I've come home. Somebody all of a sudden says, Look at all the people here to greet the president. And then he looked at the flags waving and he heard the chanting for the president and he realized they weren't there for him. They were there for a man who had been gone 10 days on an African safari and was coming home. He put his head down almost in disgust and then he heard the Holy Spirit that Jordan and Joe were singing about say, Psst. some folks cheering for you you're just not going to get recognition down here you'll get that at the judgment seat hang in there buddy your reward is coming don't wait for the pat on the back just keep on serving me you may not get any recognition down here you may even feel like nobody notices you but I'm noticing I got you I see what you've done Miss Yoshida I can see Jesus says don't worry. One day I'm going to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. I know you didn't get recognized much down here, but I was watching. Jesus was watching. And that's all that matters. So I don't know why you've quit serving God. I don't know why you serve Him on and off. Do you serve joyfully as unto the Lord? It's the last one. What are your motives? Do you serve with a, a heart of joy and glad? I get to serve the Lord. I'm so glad the pastor called me today and asked me to come. I mean, it's a little inconvenient, but man, I want to do it because it's for the Lord. Man, I'm glad that Sarah Day told me somebody didn't show up in the nursery today because that means I get to fill in. I love it when people don't show up. Just more service opportunity for me. Or is it, oh, stink. 
gotta go serve, you know, gotta go do this, gotta do that. I can't believe they're having a missions emphasis next week. I guess they're gonna ask for some money. Well, don't give then, because God says he really wants his service and his money from a cheerful giver, not somebody who's complaining as they serve or complaining as they give. It's okay. I understand. I really do. It's tough, isn't it? It's hard to give up things for Jesus. I know. So just when you get the victory, we'll be waiting because we sure need the help. All I'm saying is this. God's looking for a joyful server, a joyful giver. Next thing. So in, the li- in, in, in this life, we construct the building. Number two, and it's in your notes. At the judgment seat of Christ, Christ examines the building. He examines the building. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13 where it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Christ examines the building. No one else. Christ is the one. In fact, no one knows what your building is like until then. Think about it. Wouldn't it be funny today if we came to church and we all sat down and I said, hey, today we're going to do something funny. We've, we've had a camera on every one of you guys this week and we've just basically followed you around. You didn't know it, but we did. And we've got everything you did for God. So here we go. We're all going to see it this week. So it's going to take about five minutes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going to take about an hour. But uh, when you see your, when you were serving God, it'll be on the screen. So just enjoy. And, uh, you know, and we all just sit down and all of a sudden you come up on the screen and, and you and you and you and you and, and we all just kind of wait. There's mine. There's mine. And we all watch what we did this week for God on the screen. That doesn't happen. Nobody knows what you did for God. You don't know what I did for God this week. Nobody really knows until then. It is not until then. For the day shall declare it. There's a day. It's called the judgment seat. And on that day, it will be declared what everyone did. But until then, we really don't know. No one knows until then. And then, that's why it's so important to examine ourselves. I did not have this in my notes, or I would have put it for you to write down because it's a great statement. But I just, I just found it this morning when I came in to put, I always put finishing touches on my message, and that means I always add stuff. And I added this this morning. The unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined, hey, the unexamined bathroom is not worth going in. (laughs) Has anybody ever been to a bathroom at a gas station? You're like, please tell me they haven't cleaned this in like three weeks. And you go out to the counter, right? And you say, ma'am, it's bad. What's bad? I mean, like the potty. I mean, like it's horrible. I mean, it smells. There's stuff all over the floor. There's no toilet paper. Listen. The unexamined life is just like that. Sometimes it gets bad. It gets out of control. It gets nasty. It gets dirty. It gets filthy. And we wonder how it got that way. No examination. We've got to look at our lives, church. We've got to examine our hearts, examine our lives. What am I doing for the Lord? Because he's done so much for me. That's a good question. To ask yourself on a regular basis. It's called examination. For the final examination. And then everyone will know what we did with our lives on that day. 
In fact, in verse 13, it says, every man's work shall be made manifest. Every man. On that day, every man's work, every man's life will be revealed. What, what was he really like? Not condemnation, just what did he do with his life? And then number three, and I'm done. It's in your notes. In eternity, finally, God rewards the builder. God rewards the builder. It is God who will give the final reward. This is what the judgment seat really is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Just go up a couple verses in your text. It says, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You'll not be rewarded for somebody else's work. You'll be rewarded for your own labor. Isn't that exciting? And then in verse number 14 it says, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You see, and this is in your notes, works do not bring us to heaven, but works follow us to heaven. Let me give you a great funeral verse. This is a great verse to show at a funeral. Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. That's us. If we are saved, we are the blessed. And if we are saved, then we die in the Lord, right? So blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, saith the Spirit, they rest from their labors, but their works do follow them. They're dead. They're gone. They don't live here anymore, but their works follow them to heaven to where? To the judgment seat. And then Revelation twenty two twelve says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Jesus says that to you, to me. I'm bringing your reward to give to every man according as his work shall be. Wow. Isn't that amazing? He's bringing a reward. I am going to stand before Jesus, and I'm going to give an account. Can you imagine what that would be like? As I stand before Jesus and he looks at me and he says, to you, to me, thank you. Thank you for serving me. Thank you for what you did down there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Thank you for that year you gave extra to missions. It's incredible. I'm so thankful you did a good job. Well done. You and I are standing there in front of Jesus. Do you think we're going to be like, glad you noticed. I'm good, huh? I doubt it. More than likely, we'll fall at his face, on our faces at his feet and say, God, it was the least I could do because of everything you did for me. Here, Jesus, this reward you just gave me, could I put this back on your feet? I don't think any of us will be proud on that day. If anything, we'll wish we'd have given him more. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We're building a house. What kind of house are you building? I'll close with this. Here's a man who lives in a house. Everything he has of any value. He puts in his house everything. No banks, no investment services. If he gets it, he puts it in his house. Money. His children. His children are in his house. His wife. 
is in his house. Everything he has is in his house. One night he wakes up. His eyes are burning. He smells smoke. The house is on fire. It's burning. He woke up too late because it's all engulfed in flames. He looks around him. There's only one thing he can do. That he can't save anything. It's too late. It's burning. It's all around him. He can only do one thing. He sees an escape route, a window. He runs to that window. He opens it up. He gets out of the house. As he jumps out of the house, he hears the screams of his children crying as they burn to death. He hears his wife crying as she burns. He's losing it all. His money, his riches, his materialism, everything up in smoke. He stands there in the front lawn. His neighbor walks up to him. His neighbor puts his arm around him and sheepishly, rather carefully, cautiously says, Ah, I'm so sorry. I, such a tragedy. And he looks at him and says, eh, Yeah, I guess, but hey, I got out. <laughs> I'm good. Not that bad. You think that's what he's going to say? You really think that's what he's going to say? You see, too many Christians, I believe, are just thinking about, I'm good. I'm okay. The world can die and go to hell. Hey, the world's messed up, but I'm okay. I got it under control. Listen, Jesus wants us to live our lives for things that matter. And if you've got Jesus as your Savior, then the only thing that matters is that somebody else gets Jesus as their Savior. You've already got him. You've already got him. What are you waiting for? Why are we so selfish? Why am I so selfish? Why do I struggle? Why do I want more? Why? Why do I want more? It's going to burn. Why do I want more? Why do I want bigger, better? Why? It doesn't matter. The truth is, God's going to bless his church. I'm wearing a new sweater. I've got some nice shoes. It's crazy, isn't it? I'm preaching a message to you. Living in a beautiful home. In a great church. I don't think we need to be thinking, well, what about me? We already have so much. We're so blessed. Next week at the missions conference, there's the need. There's the need. The needs in the Philippines, the needs in Dominica, the Caribbean islands. You're going to hear men say things and you're going to be like, wow, 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 wow. And then I want you to ask yourself this question. What can I do to help? Maybe somebody could say, what can I do to help to get the media back? Maybe somebody would look around and say, I wonder how I can help my church a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe not. But maybe God is bringing us to a place where the trumpet's about to sound and he wants us all to have a good judgment seat. A good one. Well, we didn't laugh much today, did we? I just bought spoken speech class this week so if you're in my speech class I blew it didn't I because you know one of my points are in speech class you ready for this Robert it's always always make somebody smile and laugh a good speech will always have a little humor and by the way a good sermon usually does too but you know what I did after I preached this morning I ran out of the building just being honest I just I didn't know how to close the service how do you close a service like this, except for to say, 
please examine yourself. I don't want us to leave here so happy that we forget the sermon five minutes later. I don't need you to forget this one. Please don't forget this one. And God doesn't want you to forget this one either. It doesn't need to be next Sunday. Oh, yeah, what did, did the preacher say something about? Oh, yeah, it, it, oh, this is missions conference. No, I need you to be thinking about it all week long because this is what matters. And so I left the auditorium. I ran to a room, and I got on my face, and I just said, God, I don't know if I blew it. I don't know if I succeeded. I just know this. I'm under conviction, and so I, I could imagine maybe others are under conviction. We're not guilty. We're not under condemnation but conviction that maybe we could do more for God. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but maybe. That's what I'm talking about. Not sin, not condemnation, serving God. That's all, serving Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing, and I'm just going to ask you to consider the message I'm sure next week there'll be more to laugh about, maybe, maybe more to rejoice about. But this week, maybe a little less of that and a little bit more examination. If you're not saved, if you don't know for sure, if you die, you go to heaven. If that great white throne judgment is something you're concerned about, if your foundation has been laid with something other than Jesus Christ, please, please get saved this morning. Other foundation can no man lay. You have to have Jesus as your foundation to go to the judgment seat. So please get that settled. But if you do have it settled, then here's the question. What are you doing for God? How are you serving Him? Erica Pacey, how are you doing for God? It's not going to be on the screen. Nobody's going to know. It's not going to get recognized. It's just you and eternity and the judgment seat. So let's face it today. Father, I love you. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing and close. But Father, I pray that you would take the next few moments, just the next few moments, and do surgery in my life. Holy Spirit of God, we will follow you, whatever that means. We're waiting. We're waiting to hear from you, God. Tell us what to do. Tell us what to do, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand? What heart could hold the way of your love and know the heights of your great world what eyes could look on